Hello and welcome back to Roots and Branches here at New Life EFC in Hastings, Minnesota. My name is Paul Arneberg, Director of Disciple by Doing with Pastor Brent Kumpelin. It's episode 37. That's 3-7 and we have a bingo. Uh, so 37, <laughs> a couple of fun things about that. I know my friend Terry would love to have my num numerical shouts out. And uh, 37, there's only four books in the Bible. In quick research, only four books in the Bible have 37 chapters uh, or more. Genesis, Psalms, Isaiah, and Jeremiah. And Genesis 37 is special in my young adult years learning about the Bible because Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat starts in episode 37. <laughs> so there's a musical theater shout out for you, Brent, and for our friends in the audience. Uh, and um, also, happy podcast birthday to you. It's oh, your, your age. What is it, my, my golden birthday? Your with golden the birthday of podcast, yes. Even though we're not even to Brent's half birthday yet, he is solid into the 37 age, and that is episode uh, 37. And also, this kicks off what we're going to probably do a three-parter if it if we do uh, consolidate, forgive us in advance, but a three-parter on a new transformational outcome. If you kept in score back in episode 36, that was our ninth of 12. Yep. So now we're going to do a three-parter on the 10th of 12. Again, no particular order, but it's consuming to stewarding. Those words have a lot of weight with regard to culture, with regard to the Bible, yep. with regard to how we live our lives as Christ followers. So Brent, why don't you um, tee us up with our, our setup episode on consuming to stewarding, and then we'll talk about the guests we get to have on for two episodes. Yeah, it sounds great. So real quick, as you mentioned some musicals. Yes. So, little known fact okay. about me. Yes. I did church, I did musicals at church as a kid. Yes. And Sarah and I both did actually, because Sarah, my wife and I, we grew up in the same church as children since age seven. Very precious. So it was probably five or six years. Yes. Yeah. Um, let's see, elementary age and middle school that we did church musicals. And so we'd be like up on stage doing all this choreography and singing. And I would have sometimes like an acting part or something like that. So uh, that's one of the reasons why I like musicals. It's not yes. only because they're entertaining or that they're edifying in many ways, but that uh, that was my you know childhood debut of uh, stage performance. And by the way, uh, audience from New Life, we are hoping to, in fact, we're planning on doing some dramatical uh, and dramatic initiatives here at church yeah. to do more of that. And, and since you mentioned church musicals, I'll just give a trivia about Joseph specifically. Andrew Lloyd Webber was commissioned by, I believe, a Hebrew school to do that, to teach young oh. Jewish children about the story or the account of Joseph in the Bible. So that does have some faith roots, as it were. Uh, if you were to go through the lyrics, I could tell you how I theologically differ with some of the <laughs> lyrics in there. But nonetheless, it does at True. least show the uh, the story, the account of Joseph in, and by the way, Joseph also in, indirectly was a farmer. So that will relate to our topic for consumer distribution. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, let's kick it off with that. So we've been doing these transformational outcomes. And as just for review, we did this recently, these transformational outcomes are trying to help us understand the unique ways that we're seeing uh, things in our world and the culture that we're living in um, maybe have painted the wrong picture or helped kind of guided us into or, or, or led to a worldview or way of living that is actually contrary to God's kingdom yes, and in God's good design and purpose for us as his creatures, his image bearers and his beloved children. So we are moving from something mm -hmm. to something. And so from, yeah, from something that we see that maybe is twisted, wrong, evil, sinful in our world, something that just is, is misaligned. Yes. And then seeing some redemption through coming to see the Lordship of Jesus in my life, having been redeemed by his grace now a part of God's family, I want to live in the way that God made me to live and in our world, We're the, the world that, that he made. Yes. Yeah. So today, consuming to stewarding, 
we need to really dive into this situation that we find ourselves in this world. Our culture is so um, overwhelmed with the sense of 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 consuming and of the entitlement that I get to get things that I mm. deserve experiences that I'm going to see things as what can I get out of them mm-hmm. and accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. So this sense of consuming has consumed like so much of our uh, perception of life. Yes. It's all over the place. And mm-hmm. I think it affects, we'll, we'll talk about it here, but I think it affects everything. Yes. It affects so many different things. It affects our approach to vocation. It affects our approach to our families, it affects our approach to our personal time and mm. what we consider to be what I deserve in my free mm. time. Yes, uh, how we approach uh, even building our households and what we have in our homes and why we view things in the way that we do. And then I think it also affects the way we view church ah. and the way we view our faith, the way we view the church community that we're a part of. And in many ways, I see this all all over the place. Um, you can approach church in a way with a view of consumption, with a view of what mm. do I get out of this rather, rather than maybe a healthier approach. So what comes to mind when you think of, um, you know, the times we live in being about consuming? Well, I had to, <laughs> I have to hearken back to that JFK quote I did a few episodes ago and, and that if you apply that to church, I won't do the impression again now, but if we think about what we think of what the church can do for us first, yeah. rather than what we can do for the church as co-laborers mm. in Christ, that's one thing that comes to my mind. But of course, culture is rife. It's filled with with examples and with the reality. <clears throat> it's very selfish directed, self-oriented. And um, it, it really takes an act of grace for us to get out of ourselves, to think of somebody else, to think of something that other than my needs. And even as I think, Brent, too, in my yep. middle-aged years uh, about things like even retirement and things like uh, daily bread, which is the Lord's Prayer, yeah. uh, I have to take capture the thought to say, I need a certain amount in my bank account, or I need certain amount of free time to be fulfilled today. In fact, ironically, sometimes when I have a lot of things lined up in my week, which is growing right now in my schedule, I'm more efficient and I'm more joyful because I have purpose that isn't just having like a big day where where I can just look at uh, either just being lazy or turned off. And so again, when we have the margin to then serve, our instinct should be in Christ to think about reaching out and going deeper rather than building up my kingdom or building up my power so that I have resilience against other people or serving them. So that's kind of the my roundabout way of saying uh, we need to be very intentional how we live. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, this affects so many different things. Mm-hmm. I think if un, if we don't think critically about this, you can kind of walk through an approach to um, the accumulation of things that is so strong and powerful in our culture mm-hmm. that everything is sort of oriented around the accumulation of stuff. Yes. To the point where, and I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but a multi-billion dollar industry of storage. Ah. Uh. Wow. Like the ability to store things yes. is now a multi-billion dollar industry because you can just lock stuff up. Now, sometimes that's needed. So yeah. like, I don't want to be too harsh if, that's what, if you have a storage unit. But sometimes we have so many things that we've overwhelmed ourselves with that sense or, or, or of having all the things that y- you lose, you lose it, you lose the sense of, um, of the, of taking care of, of taking care of the stuff. You can just replace it. Yes. You lose a sense of the value of things because you can always just get another one. There's so much that can be twisted about 
the consumption of material things that is really like it, it can destroy us kind of from the inside out. Yes. And as you're speaking, I, I thought of uh, Luke chapter 12 about the whole material thing and, and storage, the storage units. When the rich fool says in, in the parable by Jesus, mm. he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Eat, relax, drink. And God says, you're a fool. Your soul is required of you now. And, and, it's, and then it says at the end of the parable, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Again, no mm. indictment inherently on having a storage unit, having a bank account, having margin and free time and all those things. But don't make that an end of itself lest yeah. you become an idol unless God yeah. says you fool because that is one of the worst indictments any individual can ever hear is that the God of creation would call you a fool. Yeah, exactly. I think those passages illuminate the real, the core of the issue. Mm. You know, we can skirt around it. I'm sure there's a hundred other examples. But when you elevate something beyond its station, mm, yes. when it becomes something that is, uh, it becomes God, like it becomes an idol. Yes. Consuming can get to that point very quickly. Yes. In our world, almost like it's almost, it's almost like it'll catch fire. Like mm-hmm. that, that, that's such a temptation. So viewing, viewing our lives through more of this, um, what do I deserve? What can I get? What can I accumulate? How can I use things and use people and use this thing to get something? Yeah, that building up treasures for yourself rather than doing things that maybe it matter more, mm-hmm. uh, make an impact in a different way, in mm-hmm. a deeper way, in an eternal way. Caring about God's kingdom versus my own. Yes, that's really getting to the heart of it. It's an idolatry, mm-hmm. and that's it's idolatry right. of self, an idolatry of self that is. Uh, unique in some ways, it's a unique expression in late modernity in our in our day and age that self has been so elevated to be this godlike thing. Mm-hmm. But it's also just part of the sin nature and the reality of the curse of sin. I mean, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Of did God really say and 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 do you trust His good command? And no, you're going to Adam and Eve making themselves like godlike and being able to make the decision about what they think is best, rebelling doing what the opposite is like there was a sense of uh, what what's good for me versus what god commanded yes and that is i mean that's just one dimension of that reality but it's ultimately at heart an idolatry that's and ironically or fittingly that uh, when you talked about the garden of eden regarding Eve and Adam, they consumed the fruit. Again, nothing wrong inherently (laughs) with eating any more than having a storage container. But if we consume in the wrong way at the wrong time, it can be sin and idolatry. So even something like eating the fruit, uh, especially when God said, don't eat that fruit, that is sin. And that reminds me of, I believe, the end of James chapter four. Anyone Mm. who's, excuse me, anyone who knows the good he ought to do and does not do it to him, it is sin. So there is something too about individual Paul, that's mm. why we all have to be plugged into the true vine, John 15. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the the outcome or the sort of false promise that is offered by consumerism yes. as a thing, as an idolatry, as a, as a thing that twi- can be, get twisted in our hearts, the false promise or false salvation of it is that by getting more stuff, by getting these experiences, by taking these things in, you will be satisfied. Yeah. And it's just an absolute lie. Mm-hmm. It's totally not true. I mean, there, it's not only, you ask a Christian who's like a Bible-believing, God-honoring Christian, you'd say, well, yes, of course, these things are going to ultimately satisfy because I know that I'm satisfied in Christ. Yes. But you could go out and look at 
a secular research study. Uh-huh. And they're going to tell you all the negative things about the kinds of psycho- psychological, emotional, just the crazy things that can happen when you go down this path of consuming and consumption and consumerism mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, it's just, it's not the way it's meant to be. It's not the way that God made us and designed us. And so it gets twisted and, 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 you know, you don't even have to, I mean, you, it's, 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 a, it's consistent across the board. It's yes. not good. Right. So, um, what, what, what we need to do is let me remind us or the listeners of some previous episodes we talked about the sort of the foundation and basis if we go back to how God made us in Genesis chapter one and two, this is going to play into this transition from um, the reality of the kind of self-focused uh, consumption kind of attitude ways that end up hurting us and hurting the people around us. Uh, in in the design of how God made us in Genesis one and two, it's it's very clear that He gave us a responsibility. Mm-hmm to care for and to see the fruitfulness of uh, all of creation, ourselves included and the relationships and people we have around us, our vocations, all those things, it comes right out of those early pages of Genesis. Mm-hmm. So this isn't new. This is like, this is God's design from the beginning. So let's, let me remind you all that in Genesis one and two, we see the, the picture of God uh, creating this, um, this, this account of creation described as God making, and this is Genesis 1, 27, mm-hmm. okay? Um, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, verse 28, and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Now, stop there. I think... A couple of things to point out. Image bearing is the basis upon which, as we are made in God's image, which means we have a unique relationship with God, we have a unique task that we're given, we are body and soul, there's something immaterial about us, there's something rational, something emotional, something different about humanity than the rest of creation. So there's this unique reflection of God in us, like in the in that in that image bearing. Now the task we're given as God blesses humanity, male and female, like together in this uh, cooperative and complementary relationship of being men and women, is to be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, uh, subdue and rule. And these commands can sometimes be misunderstood in our particular time. Yes. Because I think when you operate from the consuming, we have developed a technology to solve every problem, Mm. We have the power within our own minds, within our machines we can make, within our approach to life to be able to have dominion over the earth and we can control it. Uh There's more of a sense, and I think it can get a little bit twisted because this isn't what these words really mean. The uh, subduing and ruling over is not an abusive, Mm -hmm. those are not abusive words. Mm -hmm. Those are words that are about caring for. Yes. And the lead verb in this sentence is the verb to be fruitful. Mm grammatically even, the rest of them flow from that lead verb. So fruit really is a verb in that in Genesis 1.28. Be fruitful yes. is the command. And then you be fruitful through 
increasing in number, filling the earth, subduing and ruling. And so if, you, if you're exercising any one of these other parts of this verse, the increasing, the filling, the subduing, the ruling, if you're doing those in ways that aren't fruitful and good for God's creation, for ourselves, for our relationships, our families, our vocations, whatever context, if you're not doing something that produces good fruit, mm-hmm. then you're actually not fulfilling this. Ah. Like it, dominion that destroys is not what this is about. Mm-hmm. Now, we know that gets even more clear from Genesis chapter 2, okay? So if you go over to chapter 2, verse 15, the the text goes into this... Genesis 2 provides kind of a deeper explanation of the creation of humanity. Mm-hmm. And so chapter... Uh, Chapter two, there's sort of um, there's this sense of God creates His creation. There's no one to to, to tend the garden, and so then He makes uh, His image bearers, Adam and Eve. And in the com- in the description of what God has done here in verse fifteen, he's, the, the text says the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Yes. And we've talked about this in a previous episode, so I'm rehashing this a little bit. But those words, to work it and take care of it, or um, some of your translations might say to keep or guard, mm-hmm. um, to keep it, it has this sense of of working it is the idea of cultivating. It's the idea of 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 uh, working working it like you work a lump of clay, like you work a, a, a field with the soil, like you... Uh, like you work a, a, a batch of dough ah, yes. <laughs> in order to make it in and shape it into something. And so the, the idea of cultivating is taking the good material world God made and making it fruitful. Mm-hmm. So that connects right back to the original command, right? And then the guarding or the keeping or the watching is this, uh, is this sense of, of care, of protection, of ensuring Part of ensuring its fruitfulness is not only cultivating it for, for a, 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 a redemptive or a good purpose, but also protecting it from damage, protecting ah. it from outside evil influences, protecting it from being abused. Yep. So it's you can apply these to so many different areas, but that's our task in mm-hmm. the broadest sense in every context of who we are as God's image bearers is to be ones who on God's behalf as his, as his image bearing uh, representatives as his co-rulers, as his ones whom he said, I'm putting you in charge of this world. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. mission of ours. Yeah, it is. Yeah, amazing. And he said, and here's your job description, Yep. cultivate it and guard it. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. And if we're doing that in each one of the areas of our lives, you're going to actually find that you're in alignment with God's good ways and you'll see it become flourishing and fruitful and good. Yes. And it honors and glorifies him. So of course we could navigate that and apply it a bunch of different ways, but sure. to, go well, ahead. Paul. I'm going to just chime in when you were speaking a little bit ago about fruitfulness, how if any area is not fruitful, uh, that's bad. And, and I would say, even if it's neutral, if it's neutral, figure out why are you spending your time with that activity? It goes back to Hebrews 12, which I referred to a uh, episode or two ago about weight, lay, lay aside the weight that just encumbers you. If you're a runner doing a trail run in the mountains, you're not going to have on 50 extra pounds of weight. And similarly, if you have a relationship, if you have a hobby, if you have a time muncher, whether it is just zoning out in front of the TV, or frankly, even if you're into sports or sports teams, you have to think, what am I giving up to do this? Is this producing fruit? Now, granted, yes, there are great things that happen. Let's say with fantasy sports leagues, my brother-in-law down on the farm in Southwestern Minnesota, 
Nevada is into a fantasy sports league, but it has to be intentional. It, it should not be mindless. Or you know, when I was a kid, one of the reasons I can refer off the top of my head to things like Schoolhouse Rock, I watched about four hours of TV every day oh, of my life until yeah. I was about 18. And then now I, I'm, I'm pretty intentional about when I do turn on the tube uh, or actually don't have real TV, it's like YouTube or whatever. <laughs> but if it's not directly producing fruit, either for your self-edification, which makes you strong to serve others and to love the Lord more, you should cut it out. So it's not just the lack of, of negativity, it's the presence of neutrality, which might make you stale in the fruitfulness you're meant to um, bear by cultivating the relationships, the hobbies, the time of your life, because it's all limited. Yep. We have limited time relationships and, and resources, so steward them well, people. Yes. And so as a couple quick caveats, we, we know that there are seasons of life where there is challenge and difficulty yes. and using this metaphor, and we're going to talk some farming stuff in the next episode, Yay. so hopefully we'll tee this up a little. Sometimes there's storms. Oh, sure. Sometimes there's a flood. Sometimes there's hail damage. Like there are sometimes things outside of your control. Now, so the pressure is not be fruitful, be fruitful, be fruitful, and yes. every single thing all the time. Yeah. There's sometimes there's times you let it lay fallow. There's different seasons. There's different challenges that we face. And so, but, so acknowledging that reality, because I know that some listeners and even people, I know people in our church, sometimes there's, there's seasons where you're really struggling. Mm-hmm. So with compassion and that reality and lamenting those things, still the overall picture of our life and the trajectory what God has designed us to do and be is to be fruitful and for his glory. Now, it is not about our strength even in that. Uh, Let me just remind you all, and we've studied John this last year. Mm -hmm. John 15 uses the same language. We see that Jesus in one of his I am statements, I am the true vine, John 15, 1. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Uh, so that's neutrality again. If you're neutral, then you are yeah. dead. Yeah. Fruitlessness is not an option. Mm-hmm. In that's other right. words. That's right. In, 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 in God's economy, in his family, in the way he made his kingdom, being fruitless to do things even opposite of what God has made us to be and do in his kingdom, the values, the, the things that are good in his eyes. Yes. Fruitlessness is not an option. Now, um, growing in fruitfulness is what he desires, even if that means a little fruit. That's right. Like, exactly. it can just be a little. It just doesn't have to be. Yeah, just sprouts. <laughs> like, that's good. And yeah. so what we're looking for, the way that this John 15 passage, it makes very clear, fruitlessness, not okay. Bearing a little bit of fruit, that's good. Let's move in the right direction. Yeah. But we don't do it in and of ourselves. Just look at what the text says. Later on, verse 4, remain in me as I also remain in you, or abide, as some of your, your Bibles say. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Mm-hmm. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So that's right. the heart of the fruitfulness that was commanded and given to us in Genesis and then is continued on in the picture of the New Testament as we follow Christ, the heart of that fruitfulness is rooted in abiding in the presence of God. Yep. That's what was happening in the Garden of Eden, Mm. as God is walking with and communing with Adam and Eve in the garden before sin ruptures that relationship Mm -hmm. and banishes them from the garden to be cursed and toil, as as Genesis 3 describes, the dust and the thorns and all the curse of creation. In the New Testament, the description of the church is that in Christ, 
our fruitfulness is completely dependent upon our abiding in with the presence of Jesus. That's right. And so as we go through these conversations about consuming to stewarding, there are some principles we're going to talk about, some application points and some interesting illustrations. All of this is predicated upon our right relationship with God. Yes. Yeah. That fruitfulness is not merely go ahead and try and be fruitful. Sure. Tr- fruitfulness begins on the foundation of and remains day by day in being in knowing the Lord, being known by the Lord, being mm-hmm. a part of his family and aligned with his kingdom because you know Christ. Yes. And let me echo, Brent, your heart for uh, even our congregation right here at New Life in Hastings, mm-hmm. that there are seasons in life where people have been either so beat up by the world or by circumstances or by even their own mistakes that they must pull back. And I think of Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, because each of those men had key times in their lives. They fasted 40 days in the yeah. desert, all three of them. In fact, Jesus is Israel personified in many ways theologically. And that's what Moses did when he received the Ten Commandments. It's mm-hmm. what Elijah did after the, the battle of the gods in, in 1 Kings 17 and 18. And then Jesus did it later. And similarly, don't think that that... that lack of action means your lack of fruitful. Sometimes we pull back in order to go deep. Yeah. And that reminds me of my own story when in, in um, 1998, 2002, my my worst years of, of coming of age with infertility, mm. that's, that's when I immersed for the first time in my life in the word of God. And so I once told a colleague of mine over at Indina Schools, I said, sometimes I feel like all I do is I get up, I read the Bible, I, I go to Jugheads and I go home. That's all I have energy to do. And he said, that's a pretty good priority list, right? So uh-huh. I consciously yeah. think that, oh, I should be doing more, I should be doing more. But then I have other counselors that have spoken in and said, wait a minute, you have the fundamentals down just because you're not doing these, these, these things. Be careful of that trap too, measuring yourself by some worldly standard, yeah. by even another brother or sister in the Lord, just because that person serves on five boards and does a marathon every month or whatever the case is, doesn't mean <laughs> you have to do the same thing. It reminds me of John 21, what you're going to preach on in a couple of weeks here. Yep. Uh, you follow me. That's what Jesus said to people. Peter, you follow me. What? What? If, if John lives till I return, what's it to you? You follow me. So that yep. goes to the individual following the Lord yep. and and giving permission. Back to the thing that I'm bringing up here again: permission, new life, and all the greater audience listening. That you do not have to measure your productivity or even your fruitfulness by the world, but measure it yes. by the Lord's will for you. And are you following the Christ? Yeah. And the point you're you're bringing up here is so good. Consuming is predicated upon comparison. Oh, there you go. Comparison, another C word. Yeah, because you you get you feel pressure to have more because yes. you're watching what other people have and you're comparing yes. yourself to them. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you, you live. I've, I, I've I've told my kids this. If you live and in comparison, comparing yourself to other people, you you'll destroy you. Ah, uh, yes. You just we can't do that. So mm-hmm. it is such a temptation. It's part of our sinful flesh. Is we'll just slide into that comparison game. Mm-hmm. Don't do that stewarding as opposed to consuming is rather than being predicated upon comparison. Stewarding is predicated upon the good of the other. Uh. It's not about what I get out of this situation. It's about what's good for this thing so that it can be fruitful and it can ultimately be cultivated and guarded, protected for its fruitfulness. So it is inherently a self-giving activity instead of a self-serving activity. Consuming, self-serving, comparison, stewarding is self-giving and is for the fruitfulness of that other person or that thing or that creature or that yes. plot of land. Yes. And what, it, what, what the key here is, is that that transition from me to the other, 
that is a reflection of the love of God mm. in his own overflow of the love within the Trinity that is overflowing in self-giving love to his creatures, us, his creation, his image bearers. Yes. Ultimately, in the greatest expression of love on the cross yes. and then through the resurrection. Yes. And in all of that, as we move from comparing and about me to stewarding and, and love and care for the other, we are reflecting God. That is our image bearing. That's us loving like God does and mm -hmm. caring for and cultivating, protecting. Because I'll tell you, we, when we say image bearing, image is like a mirror. It's like we're mirroring, we're imaging, we're, we're showing what God is like through how we do things. Yes. God is through, for your life, Paul, for mine, for whoever's listening, one of the, you could maybe characterize it like this. God views and is fathering us to cultivate in us what is good mm. and to guard and protect us from things that are bad. Yes. That's the same command that he gave us to do. That's right. It's so amazing. As we do the working and keeping, as we make things fruitful, we're actually reflecting God. We're doing what he's doing. We're showing what God is like in this world to yes. those people who don't know him and to the others around us. It becomes almost, it becomes a witness, it becomes mission. For sure. And, and so maybe we'll land here mm -hmm. is that same John 15 passage. And we'll keep this in the background as we go through the next couple episodes. The reason for all of this ultimately is worship. Yes. That verse eight of John 15 says, this is to my Father's glory, hmm. that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. It's glorifying to God that we bear fruit mm -hmm. through our abiding in Christ and then reflecting in our image bearing that calling that we have to be fruitful, to cultivate and to guard. It's to show, it's, it's to worship and honor and glorify the Lord. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. That is uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, and the works could be synonymous with fruit. We are excited for the next couple of episodes. We have a special guest coming up. We'll talk about animals, we'll talk about land, we'll talk about regenerative farming with Mike Larson. This is Paul Arneberg with Pastor Brent Kompelin. Thanks for listening to episode 37 on Roots and Branches. <laughs>